0: Book one, chapter seven of Lord Tony's Wife. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by lynn Thompson. Lord Tony's Wife by Emuska Ortsey. Book one, chapter seven, Marguerite, Part One. Lord Tony had gone. And for the space of five minutes, Sir Percy Blakeney stood in front of the hearth, staring into the fire. Something lay before him, something had to be done now, which represented the heavy price that had to be paid for those mad and happy adventures, for that reckless daring, I for that selfless supreme sacrifice, which was as the very breath of life to the Scarlet Pimpernel and in the dancing flames he could see Marguerite's blue eyes, her ardent hair, her tender smile, all pleading with him not to go. She had so much to give him, so much happiness, such an infinity of love, and he was all that she had in the world. It seemed to him as if he could feel her arms around him even now, as if he could hear her voice whispering appealingly, Do not go! am i nothing to you that thoughts of others should triumph over my pleading that the need of others should outweigh mine own pressing need i want you percy i even i you have done so much for others it is my turn now but even as in a kind of trance those words seemed to reach his strained senses he knew that he must go that he must tear himself away once more from the clinging embrace of her dear arms and shut his eyes to the tears which anon would fill her own. Destiny demanded that he should go. He had chosen his path in life himself, at first only in a spirit of wild recklessness, a mad tossing of his life into the scales of fate. But now that same destiny which he had chosen had become his master, he no longer could draw back. What he had done once, twenty times, a hundred times, that he must do again. All the while, that the weak and the defenceless called mutely to him from across the seas all the while that innocent women suffered and orphan children cried and today it was his friend his comrade who had come to him in distress the young wife whom he idolized was in the most dire peril that could possibly threaten any woman she was at the mercy of a man who driven by the passion of revenge meant to show her no mercy and the devil alone knew these days to what lengths of infamy a man so driven would go the minutes sped on blakeney's eyes grew hot and wearied from staring into the fire he closed them for a moment and then quietly turned to go part two all those who knew marguerite blakeney these days marvelled if she was ever unhappy lady fawkes who was her most trusted friend vowed that she was not she had moments days sometimes weeks of intense anxiety which amounted to acute agony whenever she saw her husband start on one of those expeditions to france where in every minute every hour he risked his life and more in order to snatch yet another threatened victim from the awful clutches of those merciless terrorists she endured soul torture such as few women could have withstood who had not her splendid courage and her boundless faith but against such crushing sorrow she had to set off the happiness of those reunions with the man whom she loved so passionately happiness which was so great that it overrode and conquered the very memory of past anxieties marguerite blakeney suffered terribly at times at others she was overwhelmingly happy the measure of her life was made up of bitter dregs of sorrow and the sparkling wine of joy no she was not altogether unhappy and gradually that enthusiasm which irradiated from the whole personality of the valiant scarlet pimpernel which dominated his every action entered into marguerite blakeney's blood too his vitality was so compelling those impulses which carried him headlong into unknown dangers were so generous and were actuated by such pure selflessness that the noble-hearted woman whose very soul was wrapped up in the idolized husband allowed herself to ride by his side on the buoyant waves of his enthusiasm and of his desires. She smothered every expression of anxiety. She swallowed her tears. She learned to say the word good-bye and forgot the word stay. Part 3 It was a half an hour after midday when Percy knocked at the door of her boudoir. She had just come in from a walk in the meadows round the town and along the bank of the river. The rain had overtaken her, and she had come in very wet, but nonetheless exhilarated by the movement and the keen, damp, salt-laden air, which came straight over the hills from the channel. She had taken off her hat and her mantle, and was laughing gaily with her maid, who was shaking the wet out of a feather. She looked round at her husband when he entered, and with a quick gesture ordered the maid out of the room she had learned to read every line of percy's face every expression of his lazy heavy-lidded eyes she saw that he was dressed with more than his usual fastidiousness but in dark clothes and travelling mantle she knew moreover by that subtle instinct which had become a second nature and which warned her whenever he meant to go nor did he announce his departure to her in so many words as soon as the maid had gone he took his beloved in his arms "'They have stolen Tony's wife from him,' he said, with that light, quaint laugh of his. "'I told you that the man, Martin Roger, had planned some devilish mischief. "'Well, he has succeeded so far, thanks to that unspeakable fool, the Duke de Kernogan." "'He told her briefly the history of the past few days. "'Tony did not take my warning seriously enough,' he concluded with a sigh. "'He ought never to have allowed his wife out of his sight.' marguerite had not interrupted him while he spoke at first she just lay in his arms quiescent and listening nerving herself by a supreme effort not to utter one sigh of misery or one word of appeal then as her knees shook under her she sank back into a chair by the hearth and he knelt beside her with his arms clasped tightly around her shoulders his cheek pressed against hers he had no need to tell her that duty and friendship called that the call of honor was once again as it so often had been in the world louder than that of love she understood and she knew and he with that super-sensitive instinct of his understood the heroic effort which she made your love dear heart he whispered will draw me back safely home as it hath so often done before you believe that do you not and she had the supreme courage to murmur yes End of Book 1, Chapter 7